Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. Hello, I hope you're all safe and well. Believe it or not, it's less than a year to go before the US presidential election. And in a world facing heightened geopolitical tensions and the challenge of higher interest rates and higher inflation, the outcome of the election could prove seismic. So my colleague Sam Furlonger sat down with economist George Brown to discuss the current expectations of who might win and how the outcome might affect markets and the economy. You can read George's full breakdown on schroders.com forward slash insights, where you can also catch a video recording of the interview. Anyway, enough from me. The first person you'll hear from is Sam. Enjoy. One year from now, Americans will be heading back to the polls to elect their president for the next four years. It's looking highly likely that Joe Biden and Donald Trump will be going head to head once again, with each candidate bringing their own unique agenda to the table. The key to turning their plans into actions lies in securing control of Congress. My name is Sam Furlonger. I work in the client group at Schroders. And I'm joined by George Brown, economist here at Schroders. We'll be looking into the implications that the election will have on the economy and various asset classes. We'll look to gain a deeper understanding of the dynamics at play in this highly anticipated political event. So George, why is it so uncertain that Joe Biden will be re-elected? Well, I think Biden will be asking him the same question because if you, uh, for most presidents, you'd give your right arm to be in Biden's shoes right now because he's got all the ingredients needed for a successful re-election bid. So first off, of course, he's got the incumbency advantage. But the second point is that he's also got a very strong economy with low unemployment. And on top of that, you've had rising geopolitical tensions first in Ukraine, now obviously in in Israel, which typically lead to a rally around the flag effect. Mm. But despite all these favorable factors, he's deeply unpopular amongst the electorate. And there's a whole host of reasons why that is the case. But the key issue from at the moment seems to be his age. Um, He was 78 years old when he first entered the White House. That was made him the oldest president in history. And if he was to see out a second term, that would take him through to being 86 years old. Wow. And um, and that shows really in the polls in terms of the concerns of voters, because there was one poll that asked voters, what are the first words that spring to mind when you uh, think about Joe Biden? Um, one in four voters said it was old, elderly, or outdated. And that compares with just one in 100 for Donald Trump, even though he's just three years younger. So it's clear that Biden does have this issue with his age, and he's trying to um, shift that image amongst voters. He's used humour in a lot of his um, recent press conferences and events to try and deflect those kind of concerns about his age. He jokes about it quite a lot, how old he is. But it's, it's not really working. It's not really gaining traction. And, and it's something he's really going to have to get on top of if he wants to win the next election, because at the moment it's costing him a lot of votes. Brilliant. So many thought Trump was written off after the Capitol riots, but he looks to be the next Republican candidate. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. Well, if you if you look at a lot of the media right now, um, they're sort of treating it as if the, the race has already been won before it's really begun. And, and don't get me wrong, I do think that uh, Trump will be the next Republican nominee, but I just don't think it's necessarily a done deal, as some would have you believe. And that's because, you know, even though he's got this strong lead over his uh, competitors, he's got a 40-point lead over his closest one, which is Ron DeSantis. You only have to go back to 1999 under George Bush Jr. At this stage, he had an even bigger lead of about 50 points over John McCain. Mm. Now, 
a lot of the media at the time thought it was going to be a clear route to victory, but actually what happened was the primary battle ended up being uh, quite scrappy and it ended up being uh, quite tumultuous. And so, in the, and it was actually make or break at, at certain points for him. So I would say, you know, first off, you know, a, a strong lead doesn't guarantee you success. But the second thing as well, that unlike um, Bush Jr. back in 1999, Trump has a lot of other distractions, largely on, on the legal front. And they're really set to keep him off the campaign trail as we go into the primary season next year. And that starts off really on the 14th of January. He's got the defamation trial in New York. That that coincides with the uh, the first in the nation caucuses in Iowa. But then the real headache for him starts on the 4th of March when he's due in court over his um, alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Mm-hmm. And that's because that coincides with Super Tuesday, which is when 13 states will vote on who they want their Republican nominee to be. So I would say... Yes, it does look like Trump will be the nominee, but I just wouldn't take anything for granted at this stage. And I wouldn't rule out it being somebody else up against Biden next year, whether that's Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. or perhaps someone like Nikki Haley instead. So how would a Biden-Trump election potentially affect investors and various asset classes? Well, I think it's it's difficult to say at this stage, given that, of course, we're about a year away from the election. So they haven't sort of uh, set down their policies in stone, as it were. But I think if we first off, we start with Biden. I think if Biden was to be re-elected, he'd probably look to resurrect parts of his Build Back Better agenda, uh, of which about two trillion was never implemented. Um, but I think if he were to try and do that, I think there'd be greater concerns amongst um, fiscal sustainability amongst investors. And what that'll probably mean is, is higher yields as mm. a consequence. Uh, alongside that as well, I think Biden might try to raise the top rates of uh, corporation tax, income tax, as well as capital gains taxes, and uh, possibly even tighter regulation in certain sectors such as banking or healthcare. And I think those factors uh, could weigh on risk assets to, to some degree. But if we take a Trump presidency, on the other hand, um, obviously he's considered the more probably pro-business candidate out of the two. And I think that if he were to be elected, perhaps we could see um, risk assets perform much better as a consequence. But I think investors are going to have to weigh that up against what possibly his foreign policy uh, agenda is going to be. So uh, there is a risk, I guess, that he might further isolate the US from its allies, particularly Mm -hmm. on uh, the situation of Russia, particularly if you like, uh, was to scale back some of the sanctions, for instance. And I suppose the big question of all is, you know, will he be convicted of a crime? Will he be incarcerated? those, Those are still questions that are going to be looming for the next year, maybe two years. Because if he were to be incarcerated and to be president, of course, that would be an unprecedented situation. Uh, It would probably lead to a constitutional battle and it could even lead to some insurrection. So I think from an investor perspective, we should be prepared for volatility. And in that environment, you'd expect safe haven bond yields to do quite well, like bonds or maybe Japanese uh, government bonds, JGBs, or perhaps even gold. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website, shorters.com forward slash investor download. So House and Senate elections are obviously going to take place next year as well. How, how important are they? So a lot of the focus is, of course, on the presidential race and, and probably rightly so. But mm. at the same time, as you say, there is going to be the Senate and House elections. And I think they're equally as important as a presidential race, because even if Biden or Trump were to secure victory, it will be a fairly hollow one if they can't manage to control Congress, because it'll effectively mean that any legislative policies that they want to enact will will be uh, dead on arrival, as it were. 
So if we take the Senate, for instance, there are 34 seats up for grabs out of the 100, and uh, three of those are currently toss-ups. Hmm. And the three toss-ups are all within the Democratic caucus in the, uh, in the Senate. And so you could have a scenario where Biden wins the presidency, but he also loses the Senate. And, and obviously, he struggles to enact legislation as a consequence. But likewise, you know, if Donald Trump was elected president, it's looking very likely he'd learn, he would lose uh, the popular vote for the third time. And as a consequence, they could lose the Republican majority in the House. And so likewise, he would really struggle to enact any legislation either. But that should really be good news for investors because... Uh, deadlock, effectively, from a legislative perspective, forces uh, compromise amongst the parties. It helps to moderate the more extreme inclinations of both parties. And so what you typically get is a better backdrop for investors. And you see that in terms of equities. So equities have historically seen average annual returns of 13.4% um, under a uh, divided Congress, whereas under a united uh, government, you've seen gains, more moderate gains of about 13%. But I think the, the real split happens when you look at it on a party basis. Uh, so if you've got a Democrat in the White House, but a divided Congress or divided uh, government, well, you typically see average annual gains of 18.8%, whereas it's just 12% for their Republican counterparts. So wow. in answer to your question, I do think the House and um, Senate races matter, and I think they're just as important as the presidential race. So, George, thank you very much for that. If you were to give the top three takeaways from this discussion to the people listening, what would those three be? Well, I suppose my first top takeaway would be that there's still one year to go in the election. Anything could happen. And so anything could happen and don't rule anything out. I, I suppose my second top takeaway would be that the House and the Senate elections are just as important as the presidential race. So do keep an eye on those battleground states because they will make all the difference. Mm -hmm. And the third and final point is that the election will matter for markets next year. It will be a big driver of uh, sentiment for, for investors. And so um, be prepared for volatility. And the best way we can do that as investors is to make sure that we have liquid, balanced portfolios. And that will help you to navigate the twists and the, the turns of the, of the race next year. Thanks, George. I hope you'll find that useful. Uh, this is going to be a topic that we're going to be covering quite a lot over the coming years. So please do keep an eye out for further content. And thanks very much for listening. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, please head to schroders.com forward slash insights. And we're endeavouring to record as many of these shows in the studio on video. If you want to watch them in their full unabridged version, uh, then go to Schroder's YouTube channel. If you want to get in touch with us, it's Schroder's podcast at schroders.com. And remember, you can listen, subscribe and review the Investor Download wherever you get your podcasts. New shows drop every Thursday at 5pm UK time. But above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up. And investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. 